0: foremost location for the most honest, unfiltered commentary and insight on the world of sports. Now, once again, here's Hoodwood's hometown hero, K.J. Green. Green's Hoodwood, where I'm still trying to get my mind wrapped around the fact that the Texas Rangers won the World Series. We'll get to that here in a second. I'm your man, K.J. Green. Welcome back to the Hoodwood course, you know how to do it. Smash the like button if you're watching on YouTube, listening on a podcast. Greetings. And where, wherever you are around the world, I have some people around the world that are listening or watching the podcast. Appreciate your patronage and in the details of how you can reach me at the end of the show. But let's lead off with the World Series. And I know there are people Now we're saying, oh, that's not the world. You know, Japan won the World World Baseball Classic back in March. But it's still called the World Series. And it's the penultimate games of the 2023 Major League Baseball season. And a lot of people knocked it. The Rangers, the Diamondbacks, they weren't the best teams in their league status-wise, as in standings. But they were the last two teams standing in the American League and the National League, respectively. And they would duke it out. But the Texas Rangers were dominant in five games, winning that fifth game, five to nothing to clinch their first ever World Series championship in their sixty three year franchise history. They have been in Texas since nineteen seventy two but they were the second coming of the then Washington senators. They didn't play that good when they were the second coming of those team, and they didn't draw well and they moved to the Dallas-Fort Worth area for the start of the 1972 season and more or less have toiled in obscurity. They haven't been that good of a team. Billy made the first playoffs for the first time in 1996. They weren't that good in the playoffs, usually getting pushed out by the Yankees. They got to the World Series in 2011 and lost an epic World Series to the St. Louis Cardinals, losing in seven games. They were one strike away two times. From clinching their first championship but failed to close the deal and then they lost to the San Francisco Giants who were managed by the time Bruce Bochy. Bruce Bochy is now the manager of the Texas Rangers and he whipped that team into shape. This team last year was 68-94. Two years ago they lost 102 games but this year they started out fast, battled the Houston Astros pretty much tooth and nail the entire season. Though they lost to a tiebreaker in the last day of the season and had to take the wild card route, they rolled through the playoffs, knocking off Tampa Bay in a sweep, knocking off the Orioles in a sweep, pushing the Astros aside in a tough series. I mean, it went down, and no team could win on their home turf. But the Texas Rangers proved that they were true road warriors, winning every one of their road games. Every one of them. They were the, the house guests, guests nobody wanted to see. Winning both games in Tampa, winning in, in Baltimore. Remember, the Orioles were a 100-win team. Winning four games in Houston. Now, to the Astros' detriment, they weren't that good of a home team. Go figure. Go figure. With home field advantage for the World Series, because they had a better record, many people wondered, would they not know how to do with home field advantage? They split the first games, first two games in, in Dallas, in Arlington. Then they would go out to Phoenix, and where the Diamondbacks were tough in the playoffs at home, the Rangers proved that they were the stronger team. Corey Sigurd, being named the World Series' most valuable player, he now joins now get this, this is some pretty heady company. Sandy Koufax and rand I almost said Randy. <laughs> Try it again. Corey Seager being named World Series most valuable player, he's in some very heady company. Sandy Koufax and Reggie Jackson are the only players to have won World Series MVP twice. Corey Seager has done it once a piece in each league. Winning World Series MVP in the 2020 World Series. Ironically, that series was played in Arlington, Texas. Go figure. But as a member of the Rangers, he turned the trick again. As the AL representative with the Texas Rangers. Now in the five game series, Seager had six hits. Batting average of a minus 286. OPS of 1.137. And only struck out just five times. He had hits in four of the five games and had base knocks in deciding games four and five. Now, I thought our our oldest, Garcia, should have won the MVP, but he was hurt in two of the three games, so Corey Seager was a better choice. The Texas Rangers now are off the list of teams that have not won World Series, and it's funny because the Nationals... The Astros have also dropped off of that no-winning World Series list over the past five years. Though many people said that 2017 title with the Astros won as an asterisk, but they did manage to come back and win again. Is it time to start giving Bruce Bochy his just due as a great manager, one of the best of all time? He has taken not one, not two, but three different teams to the World Series. Many people forget He took the Padres to the World Series in 98, won three titles with San Francisco in the early early, early and mid-teens, and now has won a second world title, joining only legendary, legendary managers Sparky Anderson and Tony La Russa as managers who have won World Series in both leagues. The Rangers are built pretty much to last. This may be a team you may be seeing come next fall as a team trying to defend their title. The Arizona Diamondbacks, a good young team who basically ran up against a juggernaut. The Texas Rangers, Snuffy says the best. The Rangers, the champs. (music) Snuffy's speculating. And that's pretty much the way it is. Vegas, baby. But... Who'll be going to Vegas? Certainly not Josh McDaniels. He got the gate Tuesday after the Raiders' lackluster loss to the Lions. There's a rumor saying abounding that uh, Raiders owner Mark Davis had his usual Tuesday lunch after Josh McDaniels dressed up as Mark Davis for Halloween. Rumors has it that McDaniels goes all out for Halloween, and that Mark Davis took it pretty much in stride. But when they sat down to lunch. Davis gave McDaniels a fortune cookie. McDaniels opened it and said, you're fired, hot shot. It's kind of cold. Both the offensive coordinator and the GM also got the gate for the Raiders. Antonio Pierce, now who's the linebacker's coach, is now the interim coach for the Raiders. But speculation isn't just about what happened with the Raiders, fell apart again, and who's going to be The coach for the Raiders. The Raiders are paying out $80 million to John Gruden and to Josh McDaniels not to coach their team. But speculation now, maybe the Raiders may be looking to the college ranks to fill their head position. And who would their top candidate be? Possibly Jim Harbaugh. Mm. The embattled Michigan coach is getting more and more antsy in the hot seat of the Big Ten. With lots more scrutiny and lots more looking, many people think that Harbaugh may just abandon his alma mater and go for pro prospects. He's been a pro coach. He's also coached a team to a Super Bowl, 49ers. He has made good teams great and great teams super. Could he turn around with the Raiders? The Raiders are a mess. There are a lot of speculation of who could be the next into the Raiders hot seat, I mean head coaching position. Luan Maruno of the defensive coordinator wizard of the Cincinnati Bengals, high on a lot of people's lists. There are rumors of college coaches. Lane Kiffin could possibly go back to the Raiders. After his acrimonious split with with Mark Davis' father, I don't think he's going to jump from the college rings anytime soon, especially as a kingdom building there in, in Mississippi. There are lots of rumors here, there, everywhere of who Harbaugh could go to. Harbaugh could state Michigan allegations of stealing signs and coaches being on sidelines spying on other on other Big Ten teams is having Big Ten coaches calling for, for Harbaugh's head, if not at least a suspension. Now, As I touched on last week, Harbaugh is a very polarizing figure in the Big Ten. He has made Michigan a powerhouse. Michigan has beaten its downstate rival, or I should say its side state rival, Michigan State often, and they've beaten its cross state rival and hated rival, Ohio State, the last each of the last three seasons, irking the people in Columbus who have gotten a little too used to being able to trample on Michigan. Michigan is a powerhouse team. They're right now currently number one in the Hoodwood Hot Five Power Poll. Could they stay there? We'll have to check that out later. Foreshadowing. But still, Harbaugh is a polarizing figure. Could he jump to Vegas? Hmm, it's a good speculation. I personally think he's going to stay in Michigan, fight through the allegations, and continue to keep the Wolverines near, at, at, or near the top of the rankings. With the BCS poll, is it BCS poll or is it playoff poll now? But as of right now, they're third in the playoff ranking poll. As of right now, the number one team, Ohio State. Will this this order be the same way in the Hoodwood Hot Five? Stay tuned to find out. But as of right now, Harbar is still in Michigan. Will he stay there? It's anybody's determination. Let's take time out. Come back with the NFL Week 9 picks. Did pretty good last week. See if I can build on that. Sports from Hoodwood continues. After this, is today your last day on Earth because you are being deployed to space tomorrow? Have you just turned 18 and you're ready to get out of your parents' house? Has your granddaughter gotten her boyfriend pregnant? Whatever your reason, you need us at gotta get married We specialize in last-minute weddings. Active duty, military veterans, and retired discounts are available. Visit us at gotta get married <coughs> internet's premier destination for no-nonsense commentary, thorough analysis, and logical insight on the world of sports. Now, here's the man that Wikipedia and Google call for sports fact checks, your host, KJ Green. you back in the hood, Wood. My name is KJ Green, and I'm not even going to try to sing, but I can just drop some of the beats of, I'm just happy to see you and me back in stride again. I know I missed last week, don't even start with me on this, but... Went 14 and two in week eight. Snuffy says I went 11 and three last week, which is a 25 two week total. Which is pretty damn good if I do say so myself. I'm gonna try to build on that. So for your review, approval, and perusal, I'll bring you the week ten NFL picks with the odds being provided by ESPN for comparison and entertainment purposes only. Let only tell you that because I got no money. <laughs> if you bet the lines and lose. Even though my picks the last few weeks have been pretty much on point, if you bet the lines and lose, that's on you. I have no money to spare you. because you take note that the 7-2 Chiefs and 6-3 Dolphins, Kansas City defeating Miami 21-14 in Frankfurt last week, the 3-6 Rams, who lost to the Packers 20-3, and the 8-1 Eagles, who defeated the Cowboys 28-23, are all on their respective buys this week. All times are now Eastern Standard, do check, the great coverage map provided by 506 Sports for coverages and teams that will be playing in your area. And let's get started. The first game is the second of the Frankfurt games being played in Germany. The 4-5 Colts taking on the 2-7 Patriots at Frankfurt Stadium in Frankfurt, Germany. 9.30 a.m. kickoff on NFL Network. The Colts 2.5-point favorites. Last week, the Colts defeated the Panthers 27-13, while the Patriots lost to the Commanders 20-17. Fast fact here is that the Patriots are 3-0 in internationally played games. Now the Colts ground out another ugly win, this time in Carolina, and head to Germany to face a Wogun Pats team that are finding new and creative ways to lose and lose winnable games. For the first time in a long time, Bill Belichick has no ready-made answers. His offense is punchless, his defense is sluggish, and no one fears this team anymore. Facing a Colts team that has its own issues, the Pats are in no position to be a bully, and the Colts will try their best to mess this up, but I think they should pull this out. The pick here is Indianapolis. Now let's turn to the domestic games. This is a Fox Doubleheader weekend. Again, check your local listings for times and games in your area. First game on the docket is the 4-4 Texans taking on the 5-3 Bengals at Pecor Stadium in Cincinnati. 1 p.m. kickoff on CBS. The Bengals are seven-point favorites. Last week, the Texans defeated the Buccaneers 39-37, while the Bills... Oh, Big pardon. Try that again. <clears throat> Last week, the Texans defeated the Buccaneers 39-37, while the Bengals defeated the Bills 24-18. Fast fact here is Texans quarterback C.J. Stroud set a NFL rookie passing record with 470 yards against the Bucks last week. He also took five scores. Now the Texans are feeling themselves after a rowdy shootout win over the Bucks, highlighted by the stellar play of their highly-touted rookie, C.J. Stroud. They head to the jungle to face a resurgent Bengals team that has reeled off four fairly impressive wins to overcome a 1-3 start. Now I think that Stroud will have a tougher time picking apart a freewheeling Bengals defense that is giving up an average of 17 points per game over the last four. Joe Burrow was back to his shiesty ways as the Bengals' offense has ratcheted up point output. They may be hampered, though, by the, by the departure and absence of T. Higgins and Jamar Chase, which may slow their offense down some. Tough call here. If the game was in Houston, I'd smell an upset, especially with the Bengals' tendency to let down after big wins. But I think the Bengals are a little bit of a safer pick, given their defense is playing a lot better and should confuse uh, rookie C.J. Stroud a little bit with their free-willing ways. The pick here is Cincinnati. Next on the docket, we have the 5-4 Saints. Taking on the 5-4 Vikings at U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis. 1 p.m. kickoff on Fox. The Saints are three-point favorites. Last week, the Saints defeated the Bears 27-13, while the Vikings defeated the Falcons 31-28. Fast fact here is Vikings quarterback Josh Dobbs is an aerospace engineering grad from the University of Tennessee and has worked for NASA in the last past couple of off seasons. No it's not rocket science. But it was a rocket scientist that came off the bench in a pinch for the Vikings to rally them to a stunning win over the Falcons. They welcomed the Saints who have quietly pushed their way to the top of the uber weak NFC South. The Vikings have a minuscule running game further weakened by the loss of Cam Akers to another Achilles injury. The Vikings need this win bad to keep the uh, rampaging Lions in earshot, but can Dobbs continue to pull out of his bag of tricks to get the job done? I'm thinking he may be able to do it just for one more week. The pick here is Minnesota. Next on the docket, we have the 3-5 and five Packers. Take on the 5-3 and three Steelers at Acrisure Stadium in Pittsburgh, 1 p.m. kickoff on CBS, the Steelers are three and a half one⁄2 favorites. Last week the Packers defeated the Rams 20 to 6, while the Titans. Let's try that again. Last week the Packers defeated the Rams 20 to 6, while the Steelers defeated the Titans 20 to 16. Fast facts: The Pack have not scored more than 24 points in any game since their 38 20 win in Week One against the Bears. Now these are two of the most ancient franchises in the NFL and very rarely play one another. So it is a pretty interesting matchup to see the Packers play the Steelers and then playing in Pittsburgh. This game will be a study of contrast. Jordan Love pilots a weak and struggling Packers offense. Kenny Pickett pilots a weak and struggling Steelers offense. Are there contrasts? Yeah. The Steelers have a decent running game and ran for 171 yards against the Titans last week. The Packers, however, have a very strong run defense. I've been giving up only 68 and 62 yards in, win- in the wee- last two weeks, splitting both games. This game being in Pittsburgh should give the Steelers the edge. The Packers are not a good road team and have struggled mightily the entire season. I think the Steelers pull out a- another grinding, ugly game, and the calls for Matt Canada head- Canada's head continue to roll out in the Steel City. The pick here is Pittsburgh. Next on the docket, we have the three and five Titans taking on the three and five Buccaneers at Raymond James Stadium in Tampa. 1 p.m. kickoff on CBS. The Buccaneers are one point favorites. Last week, the Buccaneers lost to the Texans 39 to 37, while the Titans lost to the Steelers 20 to 16. Fast back, The Bucks are averaging 17 point point. Uh, try it again. Fast fact: The Buccaneers are averaging 17 point three points per game in their four game losing streak. 37 points notwithstanding. Buccaneers are reeling after losing, after finally finding their offense, but now their defense went to sleep and they got caught up in a bad shootout loss to the Texans. They head home to face an equally struggling Titans team who need offense like everybody else needs air, but aren't getting it. Derrick Henry can only do so much, and though Will Levis has played very nicely in, in gaining his last three starts, he's not getting any wins, and the season is slipping away fairly fast. It's a toss-up game to be fairly sure, but I think the Buccaneers will have enough on the ball and have found their defense lacking, but their offense has finally woken up, and I think that may give them the edge at home. The pick here is Tampa Bay. Next on the docket, we have the 5-3 49ers taking on the 6-2 Jaguars at Everbank Stadium in Jacksonville, 1 p.m. kickoff on Fox. The 49ers are three-point favorites. Last week, both teams were on their respective buys. Fast fact here is that the 49ers have scored 17 points in each of their last three games, all losses. Not real hard to do the math. They've scored 17 points each in the three games against the Browns, Vikings, and Bengals. The really 49ers needed a buy in the worst way. They have lost three in a row, and once looked like one of the tough teams, toughest teams in the NFC. Now questions are beginning to abound. But getting players like Chase Young in a trade from the Commanders and getting Debo Samuel will bolster their offense. They head east to face the Jags who are also coming off a of bye but have been playing very, very solidly over the last four weeks. The Niners' offense is predicated on Christian McCaffrey getting plenty of touches. He'll get that. But also getting the ball to Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and George Kittle. If they can do that against a freewheeling Jaguars defense, they should be able to pile up the points and steal a win. But, We've always talked about east, about West Coast teams headed east for one o'clock games. That's usually murder. I think the Jacksonville offense, led by Trevor Lawrence, bolstered by Travis Etienne Jr. and a host of great receivers, will be able to parry the uh, 49ers' offense. This should be an exciting, high-scoring game. Too bad a lot of the country probably won't see it. But I think the Jags will be able to hold off the rampaging 49ers. Well The Niners aren't really rampaging, but. Their team that thinks they should be Super Bowl, a Super Bowl contender. Okay, the question, and will continue to linger here. The pick here is Jacksonville. Next on the docket, we have the five and three Browns taking on the seven and two Ravens at M&T Bank Stadium in Baltimore. One p.m. kickoff on Fox. The Ravens are six and a half point favorites. Last week, the Browns defeated the Cardinals twenty-seven to nothing, while the Ravens defeated the Seahawks thirty-seven to three. Fast fact: Here is the Baltimore Ravens lead the NFL with thirty-five sacks. The Browns did what many people didn't think they could ever do shut out their opponent. Their first such goose egg handout since 2007. They head, they head to Baltimore to face a Ravens team who was really feeling themselves after smashing yet another top team, this time Seahawks, in front of a delighted Baltimore crowd. The Ravens' defense is very underrated. The Browns starting to fill themselves with Deshaun Watson piloting them, piloting them at quarterback. But I don't trust Watson as far as I can throw him. And playing against a solid free defense that the Ravens have, this is not looking like a good situation. Watson will not get the kind of time he had against the, the Cardinals, and the Ravens will be in his face constantly. Given his limited mobility, this is not a good scenario. The pick here is Baltimore. A time out. come back with the late games on the NFL Week 10 docket as well as primetime games. Sports Hoodwood continues after this. I'm actor Rajim A. Gross. Some of the studios would like to scan our images and only pay us for one day's worth of work and be able to use our likenesses, our voices, our mannerisms, as computer-generated characters, not only in the movie that we might be filming in, but in all future films as well. That's not fair. And I thank the SAG board members that are fighting for my rights as an actor to work on a union film. So I just want to say, standing in complete solidarity, with everyone. Thank you. tuned in to Sports from the Hoodwood, the internet's foremost location for the most honest insight, thorough analysis, and unfiltered opinion on the world of sports. Now, once again, here's the man of the hour, after hours, your host, KJ Green. You are back in the Hoodwood. Let's continue with the rest of the weekend team picks, turning to the later games. First on the docket, we have the 4 and 5 Falcons taking on the eight Cardinals at State Farm Stadium in Glendale, Arizona. 4-5 kickoff on CBS, the Falcons are two-point favorites. Last week, the Falcons lost to the Vikings 31-28, while the Cardinals lost to the Browns 27-0. Fast fact here is the home team has won each of the last 12 meetings. This is just an ugly game. The Falcons, reeling after a fall from a head loss to the Vikings, head out west to take the take on the Cardinals, whose offense went from putrid to... To bad to non-existent in a shutout loss to the Browns. Kyler Murray returns for the Cardinals for the first time since September of last year. Does it really matter? Is he auditioning for a job somewhere else? Who knows. Cardinal fans really don't care anymore about the Cardinals and are just waiting for the Sun season to ramp up. This game has the potential to be really ugly as the Falcons' defense is pretty decent. And their offense is a lot better than the Cardinals' offense. This shouldn't be a, a close game at all. The pick here is Atlanta. Next on the docket, we have the 6-2 Lions. He on the 4-4 four four Chargers at SoFi Stadium in Inglewood, California. 4-5 kickoff on CBS. The Lions are three-point favorites. Last week the Lions were on their bye and the Chargers lost to uh, defeated the Jets 27-6. Fast fact is the Chargers have never lost at home to the Lions. Ever whether it be San Diego or LA. The Lions are well rested and are looking to maintain their stranglehold on the NFC North. They head out west to face the Chargers, who are feeling themselves after a cross-country jaunt to slap around the Jets. Which offense will show up for the Chargers? The one that looked pretty good like last week, or the one that looked like it had no clue when they played the Cowboys? The Lions are looking to get back on the right track after a pitiful loss to the Ravens two weeks ago, I think we bolstered by the running of that young Thundercat, David Montgomery, not a healthy grad, that the Lions will look a lot better on the road than the Chargers ever will at home. And why do I get the feeling there's going to be a host of Lions fans in SoFi Stadium shouting down the home team? The pick here is Detroit. Next on the docket, we have the 2-7 Giants. Taking on the 5-3 Cowboys at AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas. Four twenty-five kickoff on Fox. It, Snuffy, is this right? The Cowboys are 17-point favorites. Wow. Last week, the Giants lost to the Raiders 36, while the Cowboys lost to the Eagles 28-23. Fast fact here is the Cowboys have won 11 in a row at home. Pretty much, if it looks like a bloodbath, it sounds like a bloodbath, smells like a bloodbath, it's going to be a bloodbath. The Giants don't have a reliable quarterback. Everybody knows Saquon Barkley is going to get the ball, and the Cowboys defense is going to focus on him. Without a reliable offense, Cowboys, without a reliable defense, the Cowboys offense should be able to free will and get what they want. This game has the potential to be ugly. It doesn't take too much to see that I'm going to make this one, Dallas, the Hoodwood Lock of the Week. Next on the docket, yeah, <clears throat> try it again. <clears throat> Next on the docket, we have the four and five Commanders taking on the five and three Seahawks at Lumen Field in Seattle. 4:25 kickoff on Fox. The Seahawks are six and a half point favorites. Last week, Commanders defeated the Patriots 20-17, while the Seahawks lost to the Ravens 37-3. Fast fact here, it's Commander's quarterback, Sam Howell, has been sacked the most of any quarterback in the NFL. He has been knocked down 44 times. Now, the Commander's squeaked out a tough win in Foxborough, now have the unenviable task of not only having to fly cross-country, but also to face the Seahawks team, plenty sore and annoyed after being eviscerated mightily by the Ravens. Seahawks are not a dominant team by any stretch, but I do think Geno Smith will bounce back with a solid win. The pick here is Seattle. Next on the docket is a Sunday night game. 4-4 four four Jets taking on the 4-5 Raiders at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. 8-20 kickoff on NBC. The Jets are one point favorite. Last week, the Jets lost to the Chargers 27-6, while the Raiders defeated the Giants 30-6. Fast fact here is Raiders defensive end Max Crosby is second in the NFL with 9.5 sacks. Both teams played pretty much the way you kind of expected the Jets blew a tire and lost badly to the Chargers, while the Raiders jumped up, up and beat up on the Giants, in a rare case of them being the bully. The Raiders are not a good team, but they are playing well against, under Antonio Pierce, and seem to have had feel like they've had a burden lifted off of them with the air of Josh McDaniels now over. The Jets are a mess. They always will be a mess, It will continue to be a mess as long as they're not the quarterback by somebody by the name of Aaron Rodgers. Zach Wilson is looking more and more clueless by the week. And playing against a Raiders team that is fighting its sea legs a little bit, this is not going to be a pretty game. Why this is a primetime game? Oh, that's right. It was supposed to be Aaron Rodgers against Derek Carr. But now it I mean, Aaron Rodgers against Jimmy Garoppolo. But now it's Zach Wilson against... Who's the Raiders quarterback again? I don't know. But... I think that the Raiders will be able to pull off the win at home, and despite being the underdog at home, that's why I'm putting Las Vegas as the Hoodwood upset the week. Finally, the Monday night game is the three and four Broncos taking on the five and four Bills at Empower Field at Mile High in Denver, 8:15 kickoff on ABC and ESPN. The Bills are seven point favorites. Last week, the Broncos were on their bye, while the Bills lost to the Bengals 24 to 18. Fast fact here is Bills quarterback Josh Allen has thrown an interception in each of his past five outings while overseeing an offense that has been held to 25 or fewer points in that same span. The Bills looked all out of sorts in Cincinnati last Sunday. Despite the closest of the score, they really weren't in the game. They head out west to face the Denver team well-rested, but still trying to find themselves. Even though their defense has been playing a whole lot better, they went to the bye, after beating Kansas City 24-9 and are feeling themselves. Can they pull it off a second time against Buffalo? I think Josh Allen is way overdue for one of those crazy games where he throws for 400-some-odd yards and four touchdowns. And against a weak Denver defense, even though they've been playing better, I still think the Bills offense is still going to give the Broncos defense a hard, a tough way to go. The pick here is... Last week I was 11 and three, lock, upset, and Thursday picks all correct. Thank you very much. Overall I'm 86 and 48, eight and one on the locks and four and five on the upsets. Let's take our final timeout. Come back with the Hoodwood Hot Five, Fat Captain Head Slap, and the final word from the Wood. Put some little wood heads down the home stretch. After this. Hi everyone, I'm KJ Green. If you're looking to reach a broad audience for your advertising dollar, look no further than where you are right now. You can advertise right here in the hoodwood. If you need spots created as well, Black Banner Productions Enterprises can create commercial content that drives sales and gets results. You can send your inquiries to ads at BlackBandedProductions.com. BlackBanded Productions and Enterprises. Sounds, ideas, and images of the 21st century. And living color, black by popular demand. Your host, KJ Green. And now let's get into the Hoodwood Hot Five, which has been the last past few weeks. A rundown of who I think the top five teams are in the in college football. Not necessarily the playoff ranking now, with the playoff rankings now being published for the first time. I will add in addendum, add in who the playoff ranking has as their specific team, if this team is in the Hot Five, if they have made the playoff rankings as well. Now, dropping out of the rankings are the Oklahoma Sooners, who took their first loss. They are now 7-1, 4-1 in the Big 12. Last week, they were tied for fifth in the... Uh, Hoodwood Hot 5, Power 5 poll. They lost Kansas 38-33. Their next game is against their in-state rival, Oklahoma State, in Bedlam, which could be the final Bedlam of the series. I hope not. It's a great rivalry. So let's start with our number 5 team, which is the Washington Huskies, who are 8-0, 5-0 in the Pac-12. Last week they were tied for 5th, and they defeated Stanford 42-33. Their next game is at USC. In the playoff rankings, they are ranked fifth. In, as coming in at number four are the Florida State Seminoles. They are 8-0, 6-0 in the ACC. Last week, they were ranked fourth. They defeated Wake Forest 41-16. Their next game is at Pitt. Their, their playoff rank is also number four. Our third-ranked team in the Hoodwood Hot Five are the Ohio State Buckeyes. They're 8-0, 5-0 in the Big Ten. They were uh, ranked third last week, and they defeated Wisconsin 24-10. Their next game is at Rutgers. They are the top-ranked team in the playoff rankings at their first reveal. Coming in at number two, we have the Georgia Bulldogs, who are 8-0, 5-0 in the SEC. They were ranked number two last week, and they defeated Florida 43-20 in Jacksonville. Their next game is against Missouri between the Hedges at Sanford Stadium. They are playoff-ranked second. And the number one team in the Hoodwood Hot Five is once again the Michigan Wolverines. They're 8 0, 5 0 in the Big Ten. They were ranked last week number one. They were on a bye. Their next game is at home at the Big House against Purdue. They are currently third ranked in the playoff ranking. So that's my hot five. What's yours? Now, a fat dapping head slap of the week. That dap goes to Will Smith of the Texas Rangers, not the slap-happy rapper. <laughs> See what I did there? Will Smith of the Rangers made it 3-for-3 three three in the last three World Series, winning rings with Braves, Astros, and now the Rangers. He is the first player in not only in Major League Baseball history, but also across the spectrum of the four major North American sports to win three straight chips with three different teams. Now, the well-traveled pitcher missed a chip in 15 with the Royals. He joined the, and also joined the Giants two years after they won their last chip in 14. He signed a three-year deal with the Braves and won a chip in 2021. He was then traded from the Braves to the Astros in 2022, where despite not playing in the postseason, still got a ring. He signed a one-year deal with the Rangers in 2023 and won a chip as a, reliever, a spot reliever with the Rangers. You know what? I'm thinking about putting a C note that he will win whoever he signs with, if he signs with another team, to win the chip in 2024. Whoever this guy signs with, I think should be the prohibitive favorite to win the World Series. Sign with the Twins, please. (laughs) The headslap of the week goes to me because my editing skills are just all sorts of messed up. And I've been putting the show out later and later during the week. I'm going to try to get that corrected and put out a quicker product next week. So without much further ado, let's go to the final word from the wood. Bob Knight, say the name and you have a litany of those who either staunchly defended him or passionately detested him. You had a few like me that sat on the fence and either thought him the greatest coach in the world I thought him at times a loud bully but I saw that he never got into trouble with the NCAA, graduated his players at a high and steady rate, and for the most part was a play-by-the-rules coach. His players vocally defended his tough-love stance, and Coach Knight was well-known to be fiercely loyal. If you look up the name Landon Turner and how Coach looked out for and took care of him after a tragic 1981 car accident, you'll see the both sides of the wildly enigmatic coach. Coach Knight was a complicated figure. Many would call him an enigma. Things had to be done his way or no way at all. His verbal joust and loud feuds went from media to refs to other coaches. He was famously standoffish to one of his most loyal disciples, Coach Mike Krzyzewski, who for nearly 20 years many think had the temerity to beat him in the Final Four in 1992. That was his beef with him. Figure Now, if you're wondering why I'm so careful to say Coach Knight when referring to the man as coach from Indiana from 1971 to 2000, he was revered to the point of almost being untouchable. I say almost because in 2000, he was under no tolerance after repeated allegations of abuse of players and staff, and he physically accosted freshman Kent Harvey, who simply addressed him by his last name instead of Mr. or Coach Knight. Now, was the student wrong? You could say he might have been disrespectful or might have not known to be not as formal with the coach. Was Coach Knight wrong? You could say that he could have been less physically demonstrative. He could have just yelled at him and probably wouldn't have caught any flack. Instead his actions got him dismissed. Like Joe Paterno a dozen years later at Penn State, the Indiana community was in an uproar and rallied to his defense. To no def- But Coach Mike Knight was dismissed. A year later he turned up at Texas Tech, a school that was not known for hoops and turned them into a, not if a powerhouse, a very respectable team, winning 20 or more games in six of his eight seasons at the helm in Lubbock, retiring midway through the 2008 season with 902 wins at the time, the most in Division I history. He is far and away the winningest coach in Indiana history with 662 wins and a respectable fourth on the Texas Tech all-time list win with 138. Now, don't come at me thinking that my math is bad since that adds up to an even 800 wins. He also coached Army, winning 102 games, coaching the aforementioned Shashevsky during his time there. Now, Knight was fiery and temperamental, and his feuds were long. His dismissal from Indiana rankled him to the point where he had long refused to return to the state much less the university that coached the 24 NCAA tournament berths, including the last 15 straight, 11 Big Ten titles, five Final Fours, and three national titles, and the last undefeated NCAA title winner. He finally returned to Bloomington in 2019 and attended an Indiana game in 2020 to a rousing ovation. And he was honored by the school who had, he had made numerous donations, contributions, and fundraising efforts over the years. Coach Night was complicated, often contradictory. He was principled, but often enigmatic to the point of antagonization. He was a winner with only two losing seasons in his career, none at Indiana and 33 straight from 1971 to 2005. And while I can't say I was a fan of his abrasive style and abrupt manner, I respected his winning ways and his detail to making sure that his players stayed in school and graduated on time. And that, more than often, not like the famous uh, Frank Sinatra song, he, quote, did it his way. Coach Knight passed away Wednesday in Bloomington, Indiana at the age of 83. There will be no coach like him ever again. And that is the final word from the wood. With music coming up in the background, you know that means your time here in the movie is just about done. And I thank you so much again for your visit. The show's email is kjv.com at sportsmanhoodwith.com. Please send me emails regarding your show topic, over past and future questions, and comments on the show, and both praise and criticism. I welcome your correspondent, and I will try to get back to you in time manner. The show's website is sportsmanhoodwith.com, which has a back catalog of the show dating back 11 years in both audio and video form. So check that out if there's any show that you know have missed. You can enjoy the debate and conversation at sportsmanhoodwith's Facebook page also has a video podcast simulcast, as well as other topics, funny stuff to find on the web, and other great sports debates, and a lot more. Post off we'll from there and respond to one of the posts frequently. Now, you can check the video versions out on YouTube. Please hit that subscribe, smash that like button for more great content. The link to the podcast is also on the show tribal feed, which is at Good, Good Sports. a lot of interesting stuff there as well. You can correspond with the show there and I respond back quickly as well. the audio version is on Spotify, Amazon Music, Pandora, Google Podcasts, iTunes and Apple, and a host of other fine podcast platforms and providers. If the liquid is not on your favorite podcast platform or provider, please ask for it. Drop me a line and I'll see what I can do to get on that one. Special so thanks as always to Ray Picture for their production assistance and technical support. And that's it from the Hoodwood, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Until next time from the Hoodwood, I'm KJ Green. The- Sports from the Hoodwood is a Black Bandit Productions and Enterprises presentation of a 5.51 Audio and Films production.